Welcome to the MRKH podcast, Mind Over MRKH. MRKH affects one in 5,000 female births. Listen in to learn, connect and be comforted by the MRKH warriors and community supporters will be joined by. We are a creative, resourceful, storytelling and self-explorative hub for all things Maya Rokotansky, Kusterhauser syndrome. What is this? I hear you ask. So, those with this condition have varying underdevelopment of the reproductive system. And I am Ella May, founder and director of Vava Womb, even though I was born without a womb, and Mind Over MRKH. I'm your podcast host and producer. Find out ways you can support the work we do over on mindovermlkh.org, including our magazine, gift boxes for MLKHs in the UK, and we've got a shop. The podcast has been sponsored by our wonderful friends and UK charity, MLKH Connect. MRKH Connect aims to relieve and promote the relief of those diagnosed with Mayer Rokotansky Kusterhauser syndrome and to provide support to both them and their families. Check out their private members area and MRKH map to connect or be connected with other MRKHs in a safe and secure way to chat with those who really understand what you're going through. We hope to continue to raise funds collectively to support those diagnosed with this life-changing condition that can bring so much pain and so much grief. We just want you to know that it will also come with a fiercely magical, loyal and loving community of people just like you. You are not alone. So whoever you are, we hope you enjoy the podcast and we hope, if anything, it keeps you company on your journey with MRKH syndrome. Insightful, strong-willed and spiritual are just a few words to describe our next guest, Janae Cook. She's a 30-something-year-old sex-positive millennial living with a rare congenital condition called, you guessed it, MRKH. Janae hails from the original Wakanda, known affectionately as the College of Love and Charity, Florida A&M University, where she studied journalism. She's an MRKH advocate, former news producer and content strategist, but she considers her greatest accomplishment as being a big sister to her younger brothers, Andre and Desmond. Diagnosed during her senior year of high school, Janae made a decision to completely educate herself on her condition finding few places to learn and connect with women of colour who shared her experiences. She founded Sisters Surviving Infertility in 2018. For the past 13 years, she has used her story to inspire and encourage others to live live out their truth. She's a proud mum of two cats and five plants, but hopes to carry her own children one day. Janae joins us from Tampa, Florida, and today she's celebrating her MLKH-versary Welcome to the podcast, the beautiful, wonderful, insightful, strong-willed and spiritual Janae. It's perfect. Okay, cool. Okay, Janae! How are you? How are you? I'm on my 10th day. Well, I'm now out of isolation, but this is my first positive day. 
well, sorry, negative day, which is a positive day. <laughs> gotcha, it is. You look, so I'm telling you, I've been so excited to meet you. Like, I'm so proud of the work that you're doing, girl. Like, it's just well, excited to be connected to you. I'm so excited to have you on as well. And I love that our names rhyme. It makes me feel so happy. <laughs> Janae and Ella May. <laughs> that <laughs> oh Janae you look wonderful so where are you in the world where do you live again um, I'm in Clearwater Florida oh okay and what um, time is it there uh three it's got three yeah, or three four days. and it's yeah it's 8 p.m here in the UK um so I first found you on Instagram I think because I think when I shared my story because I'm 29 now are you similar at your yeah, 31. Thirty-one. Yeah, yeah. Because I, th- I knew we were a similar age. Yeah, and I think I found Janae's story online um, when I first went on Instagram. So you've been sharing your story for a while now, haven't you, on social yeah. media and stuff? Yeah. I graduated twenty fourteen, so about 2011, 2012. Yeah, it's a lot. Ah, amazing. Um, so first of all, do you mind just introducing yourselves to everyone? The yeah. wonderful Janae. Yeah, okay. It looks really dark in my you, you look amazing. Yes, uh, my name is Janae Cook. I am a content strategist in Clearwater, Florida. I'm the founder of Sisters Surviving Fertility. I was diagnosed when I was 18, uh, back January 29th. Today is actually my MR page anniversary. I forgot you told me that. Yay! Yeah, happy, but yeah, it's like weird. Like happy anniversary, but also sorry that you're in the club. Yeah, wow. <laughs> the happy it's anniversary. Double-edged sport almost, but I feel like it's an honor um, with today. Honestly, I got my feet done, made some breakfast. I took the day off. I really just been chilling. But uh, yeah, back to my story, though. I was diagnosed, like I said, 13 years to this date. Um, It was during my senior year, you know, in high school. And I feel like a lot of people, honestly, like when you're diagnosed, it's so traumatizing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when uh, my group and I did interviews last year, we were really big on the verbiage. Because I feel like when doctors say, you know, you're not born with a vagina or anything to that, you know, regard, you feel like you're less than a, a woman and you start to question like who you are, your sexuality. So mm. in my case, you know, my mom was with me that day and it was a lot to process. And I feel like my doctor, he was just, you know, very cut and dry. He had mm. no bedside manners. And I feel like maybe he didn't understand, you know, how traumatizing the diagnosis would be. Mm. But, you know, from that day on, you know, I just pressed forward. I was actually diagnosed, I want to say four or five months before college. So I really didn't have a chance to process, you know, you have MRKH, you know, doctors telling you that you can't carry a pregnancy, you don't have, you know, a period, you got to dilate. It was so much going on in my mind that I didn't have time. And it was just like, boom college you know so I feel like my story has been it's been a lot but I'm just happy to say at 31 you know 13 years later I've gotten to the point where I fully accepted so how did so you were diagnosed just before you went to college I think I was a really similar age actually like it was a weird leaving school diagnosed heading into like a new world where you're like I don't know really personally really affected my confidence how was your confidence kind of affected as, as, as a teenager when you were diagnosed? And how did you cope with that kind of identity, um, being a young woman with MRKH and like this new world of college? How, how did you cope? I'll be honest, 
prior to MR Cage, I had issues with confidence. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like MR Cage was the first, you know, experience in that case. Mm-hmm. I feel like MR Cage kind of like heightened it, if that makes sense. So, you know, I was dealing with, um, you know, a lot of high school stuff, boys, grades, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. The Hormones. <laughs> Hormones, child, every single thing. But I feel like MR Cage really, like I said, it highlighted it. And also made it aware that occasionally, like, we have some self-love, a lot of, like, work to do, mm. but it made it a lot worse. So, you know, going to um, HBCU within the Black community, it's just certain things you just don't talk about. Mm. So, with it being my freshman year, I had roommates, and, you know, I didn't know anybody prior to college. I had people from my city, but I didn't have anybody to talk to. So, I really felt isolated and it was really my junior year when I actually shared my story on Facebook. So where where did you first share your story then? You said where? On, was it on um on social media or? Yeah it was on Facebook. Yeah. Honestly I can't remember the date but I remember literally like uh making a post about it. I'm about to age myself but <laughs> this was a time when the um it was some graphic was really really popular. Um, I cannot think about it, but I found this, you know, graphic on the Beautiful You support group page mm. that I'm one in 5,000 and a couple more words, but I think I wrote maybe three paragraphs. I hit submit and I literally ran to the bathroom. You know, I, I ran a bubble bath. I just, you know, took a deep breath and I think I put my phone literally on the sink beside me, flipped it over to where I couldn't see any notifications and I checked about an hour later and the responses were so beautiful. Oh, I love that. They were so supportive. It was only one person who made a comment that really rubbed me the wrong way, but I felt like she didn't know what she was saying was a bit insensitive. It was mm. along the lines of, I really want to know more. But um, outside of that, it was a positive response and it just really prompted me to want to continue to share my story. The comments that personally I've dealt with similar to that as being like oh you're so lucky for not having periods so how, how do you think you cope with those kind of comments around people not really recognizing the grief and going straight into saying well you're you're fine you don't have periods you're so lucky for not dealing with that how do you cope with those kind of comments for in, in the online world right I'm still coping I'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. today at 22 versus 31 is totally different I just choose to really just take it with a grain of salt you know, depending on who it's coming from, if I know that person, I know for a fact that it's not coming from a bad place. Mm. But, um, you know, if I know that person well, I'll tell them, like, you know, straight up, what you said was a little bit offensive. And I feel like once I do, you know, call them out on that, mm. they just kind of look at it like, okay, cool. Because a lot of times I feel like when people make comments, they don't know what they're saying. You know, they just look at it like from their experience, you know, they have periods. Mm. they go through all these different like hormonal changes even though we have you know PMS symptoms it's not the same Mm. so I just try not to take it personally that's really good advice because I think sometimes I still do so I'm still I'm still learning and like getting to getting to understand but reactions to things um so how about like your relationship Janae with um yeah like friendships or um partners or anything like that how has like MRKH had an impact on that part of your life so as far as how MRK affected my friendships, I would say 
it was it was devastating. You know, I've always grown up with a lot of friends. I was a person who was really, you know, popular and my dad was in the military, so uh, my dad was in the army, so it's like we had to um move every three years, so it made me more introverted. But as far as friendships, it was difficult because like I said, you know, I was diagnosed before college and I didn't really feel like I could relate to the other girls. Because they would talk about, you know, periods and all kind of different things, blood clots, you know, things that happen when you have a cycle that I couldn't experience. So I feel like I put a wall up and it took a couple of years for me to get comfortable only because, like I said, I didn't feel like I fit in. You know, um, I had a roommate who literally talked about how she almost got an abortion and she didn't know about my condition. And that was one experience that you know, stands out specifically, specifically because I felt like, you know, this is something that she can't relate to. And I don't know what she's going to do with that information. You know, I didn't explain it to her, but I will mm -hmm. say it was another roommate of mine. And that was my heart. You know, we got really, really close mm -hmm. you know, in the middle of the semester and she got pregnant and I actually convinced her to keep the baby. And so after that moment, I want to say like a year later, I told her about it and she said, wow, it makes so much sense because when she's talking about a possible abortion, she said, I just had this look on my face and she said, I just looked really stunned. And so she's one friend who I shared it with. She was very supportive. And, you know, once again, I feel like with MRKH, we have so much shame within us that mm -hmm. once we do, you know, eventually share it, people are like, that's it. So she's that one friend who I shared it with. She was like, Janae, you could have easily just told me that. So, And that's the thing. People, people like, sorry to interrupt. You, you share your story and then your friends kind of go, oh, you should have told me. And it's like, but it was, it's, I don't know. It's, it's such a hard thing to do. But when, how did you feel when you did it? Did you feel like a sense of relief? I did. And, mm. I, and you're right. We, I feel like we make it worse than what it is. Yeah, <laughs> we do. We do. And I feel like we have to get comfortable first. But as far as the romantic relationships, girl, that was tough. Mm. And even now, um, relationships, it was ghetto. Mm. And what I mean by that is, you know, we're all in college. We're trying to find ourselves. And I think what makes um, at sharing MRKH even more complicated is when you're not educated yourself. Mm. You know, not being educated, not being comfortable, for me, when I first explained it, it was, you know, a bit challenging, but it was one guy in college, you know, we still talk to this day. When I explained it to him, he had the most heartfelt response. And I remember him just holding me and me just crying. The next day he came back with a bunch of like links and he was more excited than I oh. was. So, right. So I felt like, you know, just relationships and friendships is something that you just have to give yourself time because I feel like most importantly you have to process it yourself exactly yeah that's so so true and what can I just ask you what sort of because for me personally I remember hiding certain details like there's obviously different elements to MRKH which we've all got um so when you were telling people did you tell them kind of everything or did you tell them like bits like specific parts of MRKH and leave out other parts or did you kind of tell them everything and go this is my condition it's MRKH because I know it's so hard for different people to tell people different things because I, I, I don't think I told like my current boyfriend about the 
vagina element for a while and then kind of you go into it afterwards but yeah so how what sort of details of MRKH did you find comfortable talking about? Honestly like back then even till today I tell any person that I'm close to the full detailed story Mm. because I feel like with MRKH it's not something that you can just tell halfway Mm. because the first thing that you know, you share is, and, and I think what you share really depends on your comfortability level. But mm-hmm. for me, I have to tell them the entire thing because in the past when I would, you know, share half of what it was or just, mm. you know, shut down, the person would look at me kind of like, okay, what's next? So I had to get comfortable with, um, once again, verbiage. It was one of my closest friends, uh, Raven. She did an interview and she actually explained it as not having a vaginal canal. Mm. So for me, that meant a lot because I was just like, wow, I had never, I had never heard it presented that way. So, you know, I put that in my vocabulary, you know, arsenal. Disclosure script. (laughs) Right, my script. Yeah. I feel like once I explained it that way, people were more receptive and understanding because Mm. I felt like the MRKH, it's so much to unload on people because, and of course, see, this is 2021. We're talking about 2012, 2013. So it wasn't as much, um, you know, presence online and, you know, anything about the vagina is is Mm. a bit taboo. So I feel like now we're getting more comfortable, but I feel like, and I really do advise anybody, if you are going to explain it, make sure that you explain it from A through Z, but also too, you know, make sure that you're explaining it to where you're comfortable and you know enough to where if they have questions, you Mm. can go into that and it's more of a fluid conversation. I love that advice it's like it's all about language isn't it and I think we will become more comfortable with language the more you talk about it and I my younger disclosure script was probably oh I've got a bit of an underdeveloped wound but I don't have periods of my nap and now it's like the full shebang of MRKH but like it changes over time doesn't it about what you say but I do really agree that sharing telling someone everything can help them understand you more and understand the full picture so I do kind of agree with that but at the same time it can just be so difficult um I just wanted to rewind rewind <laughs> if that's all right to the beginning and like young Janae being diagnosed and what I just wanted to talk about the support that you received or didn't receive and kind of how the medical um I guess world was when you were diagnosed however long I think it, I think your thing said it was 12 to 13 years ago so yeah how, how was it um in America and the medical team and were you given any kind of support networks and who was the first kind of uh, person in the community that you reached out to sorry massive question but (laughs) you get the gist (laughs) it was um, let me see so when I was diagnosed my doctor gave me a list of support groups and beautiful use at the top of the page Mm. but I really feel like therapy and the mental you know health aspect should have been pushed forward mm. for my doctor it was like look you don't have a vagina you don't have a period and it was just kind of like boom 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 so I feel like for me the mental health aspect isn't talked about enough mm. and it, I'm in therapy now but sometimes I think back to how different my life would have been had I had you know like that mental health so in America it's just and I feel like with MRKH, the doctors, and they're getting better, but their whole agenda is how can I fix it instead mm-hmm. of how can I help you process it? And that's the thing that I feel like doctors need to know. When you give this sort of a, a diagnosis, and it, it doesn't matter what age you are, 
it changes your life. So now I was diagnosed, my doctor pushed dilation. And for me, like a lot of, you know, different people with, you know, first being diagnosed, it's like, what the hell is dilation? So mm-hmm. I feel like to me personally, he rushed through it. And then he gave me this website where I can order them. So my mom and I, we complied and we did that. And once I got the set, I feel like there was no follow-up. We might have, you know, went back to him once or twice, but I really didn't feel supported. And at that time, too, there wasn't a lot of information online. And I remember going online just, you know, reading about the negative um, effects if you don't do it correctly, how you can, you know, rupture your aretha. And I was just traumatized, like, oh, my God, like, I don't want to do this incorrectly. So going back and also too being 18 I had you know no knowledge of physical therapists because they do have you know a pelvic floor therapy which is which is ongoing for me now I wish my doctor would have given me more support and resources because I feel like his explanation to him might have made sense you know you put the dilator at your vaginal dimple and you just dilate it's a lot deeper than that so and it's like so much more to dilation than just and the fact that so yeah it's hard because I'd, I've come from this UK diagnosis background where obviously there's the NHS and we would like I was given dilators so the fact that you have to go and buy them is one thing because that's like going to buy something that you don't even know what you're really doing and also not really getting so you didn't get any help the first time you used them you just kind of had to figure it out yourself and I think yeah see I remember him showing me how to use it but it was no you know, we're going to follow up in a week and then there was no plan. And that's what really frustrated me. And then, like I said, less than four months later, I'm in college. You know, I had a roommate, you know, over like my sophomore, my freshman and sophomore year, I had a roommate. So I had no privacy and going through the stigma and the shame and the confidence. Yeah. I had so much going on mentally that I feel like dilation was just out of the picture. I'm getting real dilation flashbacks flashbacks now I bet you are as well it's so and I think we like it's really good to highlight like the fact that it is really traumatizing so thank you for talking about it openly because I think like it is it is so hard and I think online a lot of us advocates will just kind of go yeah dilation make sure it's your choice and like but to talk about it in so much detail I think it's just another like you said it's another kettle of fish it's, it's huge and yeah. it is such a massive thing so how did it impact you and your mental health like the dilation journey that you went on honestly it's it's one of those things where I felt like you never get comfortable doing mm. and I know that kind of sounds like a Debbie Downer but it's true exactly for me, dilation reminded me that I had to mm. instead of me running from it it's like you have to dilate so I was constantly bombarded with these thoughts of oh my god my vagina is shrinking you know I'm not dilating if I have sex he's not going to enjoy it. it was just so much going on in my mind and I'm actually happy that you did bring up how people don't talk about it because they don't you know like mm-hmm. dilation is made to feel or seem powerful and rah 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 but it sucks like I said you you remind me of a market you have to literally insert something inside of you that doesn't feel natural it is a lot to take on. And that's why I feel like, you know, the the therapy, the physical therapy, like you need those people really showing you how it works, the medical professionals showing you how it works. And then mm. also, I feel like before you're even asked to dilate, you should be given time to process. 
I feel like with doctors and the MRKH community, it's just like, boom, MRKH. And it's just like, wait a minute, this is a whole new world for me. Mm. And like a lot of the MRKH advocacy is fo- like focused on infertility and not having a womb. But I spoke about this with Ali, like the, the, vag- the vagina element of MRKH is such a mass, like it has such a huge impact on the diagnosis like for me it was the biggest thing I was like this is so embarrassing and like you said it really fucking sucks <laughs> dilating is really really hard um and I think it's yeah it's it's just it's good that we're speaking about it and thank you for talking about it um so I guess kind of post dilation I know that you've probably went through lots of different things so can we talk about like sex and pleasure because you said you're sex positive <laughs> sex positive body positive honestly sometimes I'm mad that I wasn't in school to become a sex therapist I was literally on my way home you still can I can and that's what's so funny because like damn I burped ah no more (laughs) (laughs) you're literally my soul sister no for real and it's so funny because I I have a stain on my shirt from the one I had (laughs) but um (laughs) but no what was your question just around um like sex positivity so I was just going to talk about like pleasure really and how did you kind of come from the trauma of MRKH and dilating being so horrible into someone that's kind of open about sex and pleasure positive and how did you find that journey and where did you find your kind of confidence and strength in that world (laughs) it was actually my mom and I don't think right shout out to your mom funny because I don't know if she understands what she said really did help me out if that makes sense so for me my mom always told me you know you're the one who has to and not to be vulgar but you have to take it accept it so you have to be comfortable mm-hmm. and so when I'm you know I'm here at 18 I'm like girl whatever so my first sexual experience it made so much sense because I feel like even outside of MRKH you know women are receivers and mm-hmm. I feel like you should have the courage and the the boldness to say, hey, this hurts me. So for mm-hmm. me, you know, sex is good. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed saying it. Woo. But no, I feel like MRKH has really, um, I guess, encouraged me to explore and accept my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Sex is great. And also, too, I was a Christian at one point, and that moment did serve its purpose. But and this is nothing, no, no one, nothing against anyone in the church mm-hmm. religion, but I had to step away from it because I felt really confined. And with sex, it's so, you know, many layers and taboo with religion. Mm-hmm. So I feel like once I stepped away from religion and I stepped more to the spiritual side and I accepted like, hey, I'm a sexual being and this is okay. I feel like my, you know, sexual expression and forces you into like the exploration side and the pleasure side and I feel like I've definitely I don't know feel kind of more creative and open-minded about sex than loads of my friends that don't have them okay I'm the exact same way like all my friends know I love talking about sex mm. like I, said, I should have been a sex therapist and it's funny because I went to this conference um I want to say a couple of years ago and the sex therapist was so amazing and I'm like bro I'm in the wrong profession so it does MRKH does make you more open-minded and I think that's the most beautiful thing because, you know, mm. I feel like when people tell you they're going through things or they have other diagnoses, it kind of makes you feel like that's it because of your journey. You know, it mm. just gives you this, you know, empathy that I feel like no one else can really understand because our journey is so deep and heavy. 
So how you'd be an amazing sex therapist, first of all, but what are you doing? So what's your kind of like career at the moment and what did you get into and how did you, sorry, I need to reframe that question. I've got that totally wrong. (laughs) I can do the three, two, one. So you did say that you wanted to be a sex therapist, but what is your career at the moment, Janae? So what are you, what are you up to? (laughs) Yeah, I'm a content strategist, but it's all right. So my goal right now is to become a life coach so I can work with women who got my page and offer infertility. For me, ever since I was a kid, I've always loved talking to people, connecting. Mm. I've just had that spirit about me and I just love people. So for me, you know, I'm saving up to become a life coach. You, you are, you know, kind of encouraging me to become a sex therapist. I don't know. That may be my next oh, thing. I, 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 feel like I feel like you need to be. I think, I think we need some more sex therapists in the MRKH world. <laughs> because honestly, it's just it's so many, like, areas with sex. It's just interesting. And, like, my friends, I love when I talk about sex. They're not grossed out or just weird about it because they know about my condition and they mm. just kind of like egg me on. So, shout out to y'all. But, uh... <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> That, yeah, I mean, I think, well, anyway, let's see what happens with Janae. Well, maybe we can put a vote out. Do you think Janae is going to be a life coach or, or a life coach and sex therapist? That would be really cool. Okay, I, promise, I was literally headed to public because I was, I was listening to this podcast. And I was like, this, this is not it. Because I was a journalist for about five and a half years and it was cool. But my personality is just really, you know, bold and colorful. And I'm just not meant to be in the corporate world I'm just you're not supposed to be hidden away that's for sure Ooh, not at all sis come through with the word not at all (laughs) you're too beautiful (laughs) oh thank you um so I was just going to ask you around your like advocacy journey and I know you've got a few things that you've done here and there but could you tell us a bit about the stuff that you've done for black women with infertility and with MRKH um I know that you had you've got sisters surviving infertility and um, but we'd love to hear more about all of that because you've done so many things and I've seen so much stuff that Janae is doing and I've been inspired since following you so <laughs> what's so funny is I feel like I haven't done enough so I really appreciate you saying that. But um, yeah, I started my group back in 2018. It's been amazing. I formed a team who loves and supports me. You know, with Black women and infertility, it is starting to get more, I guess, not spotlight, but more, getting more- Getting louder. <laughs> yes, more attention. Wow, that's such an yeah. easy answer. It's getting more attention. And so I feel like with my group, we're starting to get, more engagement so it it is a journey and also too I feel like I because I'm not gonna lie this is really something I never admitted but I deal with really crippling imposter syndrome and Mm -hmm. so I'm working to get past that but you know the group has been amazing you know our intention is to really raise the awareness and also to form that community to where we get it because, and it's not about trying to separate, oh, you're black, um, you know, you're white, whatever the case may be. It's like race has nothing to do with it. It's just more so experience and the resources. Mm-hmm. So my team and I are really hoping that this year is our year to where we're more out there. The resources are, you know, more present. But I honestly just formed it because when I was diagnosed back in 2019, or 2009, excuse me, you know, we had Jacqueline and Amy and Christina. Mm-hmm but it was no one who looked like me and representation is such a big 
you know, deal. And I feel like a lot of people don't really understand that, but I am happy that, you know, our community is becoming more inclusive. But when you have someone who looks like you, has a similar experience, you feel a part of something. Mm. And, you know, some people might underestimate that, but I'm telling you, I've had so many women reach out to me and not just black. And they're just like, yo, I resonate with you. And I'm just like, me? And so curating the group has been amazing. It has worked. But also, too, I realized that I had to lean into receiving support myself. Mm. Because sometimes I feel like even though I'm, you know, in charge of the group, everything shouldn't fall on me. So I've learned myself, you know, how to navigate a group, how to navigate my emotions. And, you know, we're on to bigger and greater things this year. Last year we did, whew, seven interviews in one week <gasps> wow yeah child that was a tiring week <laughs> but um yeah we did seven interviews in one week and I was just so proud of how we endured you know Shanika it was her first time sharing her story mm. online at all and before she shared it online she actually did an interview like a tv interview Oh, oh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, I put it on the um newsletter recently, but yeah, you that yeah, that was amazing. I saw it all in the news. <laughs> oh, I'll forward it. Can you tell us about that? Oh, uh, sorry, another quick question I had was the women that you're working with, are they people with MRKH or or other infertility conditions? Because I know that you kind of support lots of different women going through not just MRKH but infertilities have a different level of kind of stigma attached to them and i remember that because i was on clubhouse and when you joined clubhouse that was it (laughs) and i was so excited i'm like we got uk in the building like i was just sitting there like a creep listening in (laughs) no you didn't like for real any sort of support i'm telling you all support matters oh we love you well, I mean, yeah, you like, like I said, all of us online, we're equally helping each other because the more I see like you talking about it or anyone else going public with it, it just makes you feel that bit of extra comfort because it is scary being out there as the people born without vaginas. <laughs> like it is. How do you feel now about being kind of public? Yeah, my confidence is there, but mm. I feel like sometimes I have to unplug. And I feel like, you know, when you're an advocate, it feels like you're supposed to be, you know, 24-7, my journey, my light, I'm doing this. Mm. And I've learned to just lean back and allow other people to talk about their journey. Because honestly, if I take a two-day, three-day break, it's not going to make a difference. Mm. So I feel like I've learned to lean into rest and allowing other people to do what they have to do. And I can also take care of Janae. So I found that balance. It did take time, but I'm at a point now where I don't feel obligated to talk about it all the time because it mm. does get exhausting and I just I have to make sure that I'm for myself before I can pour into somebody else yeah that's so true and that's actually been a common theme on this podcast is everyone needs a break I do I do find sometimes that you can I can be online loads and sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean I'm in a good place it could mean that I'm kind of feeling a bit manic and a bit like posting stuff and normally when I'm offline like you said that's when you're really looking after yourself um so just on kind of mental health I know that you said you're going through therapy at the moment but how how do you cope with your mental health and your kind of life balance and looking after Janae (laughs) honestly it's a journey Mm. I feel like now I'm in a place where I don't feel bad about putting myself first because when I first started the group I was just like you know I was on it I'm not gonna lie I was just post 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 post, Mm. but it wasn't doing anything for me 
Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn to be a bit selfish, but also to find the balance between resting and not quitting. Because at one point, I really do feel like I just kind of got into this bubble where it was this what was talked about. I was going through a breakup and then, you know, my career was at a standstill. So it, it's so many different journeys within a journey. Mm -hmm. that I feel like once you fully accept that you're human, it makes life easier. I love that. A journey within a journey. That We need to say that more. <laughs> right, I felt that. I, saw, I said that. You need to quote that. You need to take that. That's, that's yours. <laughs> um, so I guess when it comes to the stuff that you're working on, is there any sort of insights into what you want to do next? I know that you want to be a kind of a coach. and um, But yeah, any, any secrets that you can tell us? <laughs> Honestly, I'm still figuring it out. Mm -hmm. One thing I pride myself about is being transparent. If you're on mm. my page, I'm not always happy. It's times where I don't post, but I'm working on some stuff. And, you know, once it comes into fruition and then I do manifest it, y'all know. But like I said, my main thing right now is getting my life coach certification. So mm -hmm. I can like, you know, be more upfront and I can work with people more individually. But, you know, just, just stay tuned, you know, follow me. I'm excited. Girl, MRKH, you know, y'all learn more. So how, how are you at the moment? So when it comes to MRKH, how, that's such a big question. How are you? How do you feel right now? Yeah, it's a big question, but it's really important. So I appreciate you asking me that. Honestly, I'm good. You know, I did and I shared on my private story on MR or on my, on my Instagram. Mm. Let me talk it over. I appreciate you asking me like that's a really important question so for me now I'm really good I no longer put pressure on myself to have kids and do all these things and dilate I feel like I'm more so on a a, a journey and a path where it feels easy and I've mm -hmm. you know removed the pressures but you know one thing I didn't really share publicly is that I did you know, go to a fertility clinic and I was going to freeze my eggs, but that shit was expensive. So I did find mm -hmm. out that, you know, I, I am a good candidate and I say with air quotes because I hate that word, but you know, I, if I were to, you know, freeze my eggs, I would be successful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm still hoping I can do that sometime soon. It is expensive. So if y'all know any grants and all that, send them my way. But, you know, overall... Anyone know any grants, send them to Janae. Girl, because they didn't have a, a payment plan. They wanted 10000 up front. Mm. So that's right. I said Ten to freeze your eggs. And and that's not storing or the procedure. That's just 10 up front. Bloody hell. You're a bloody hell. No, it's a lot of money. So as far as where I'm at now, I'm just at peace with it. And mm. I'm just letting life happen. Because I feel like it's easy to allow MRK to take over your world to the point where you do get depressed and you feel hopeless. But mm. at this point, I know what I want. <laughs> it's yeah. okay is perfect. You don't have to be other than okay. Mm. And then like you said, it's there's so many different layers to it. And and also you were just speaking then about fertility. I didn't really ask you that, but I think there's like you said there's the dilating there's the first kind of stage of MRKH and then there's dealing with like body confidence and there's fertility and I think that grief 
almost just stays with us but like because I feel the same I'm, I feel okay but I'm still kind of grieving but I'm sort of fine now I don't really know what I'm doing with life but sort of feel fine but I guess just every stage is up and down isn't it so there'll be something next that you like more hurdles to cross <laughs> no you're right and I felt like you know for those of us who you know are open about our journey we need to share that mm. I can always feel amazing all the time and you know, in our case, you have your dark moments, but also to, you know, connect and resonate with people is okay. You know, it's like you were saying, it's it's just, sometimes I fall over the place, I'm sad, I'm angry, but grieving doesn't end. Mm-hmm. And I really want people to be okay with that. Because I feel like we're expecting to get to a point where we're okay. And then once we feel like we're not, we put pressure on ourselves and we feel like a failure and that's not what it is. Like you have to literally learn how to live in the dark. Yeah, no, that is really, really true. Can I ask you about womanhood? And <laughs> just randomly popped into my head when you were saying that about grief and motherhood and things like that. But what, what would you define womanhood as considering we're women without underdeveloped vaginas, wombs? How would you sort of define your womanhood? <laughs> Making this face because my brother asked me the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna sound so cliche, but I feel like it's up to the individual to define what that is. And I go back to my mom because you know when I was going through um, my grief and and trying to define who Janae is and my purpose Mm -hmm. and kids and husband, and she told me how you define womanhood is it really is up to your interpretation. I can't tell you how to be a woman. And so I'm going to repeat the same thing that my mom told me. I can't tell someone how to be a woman. It's just something that you just feel. It's something that you have to explore. It's something that you journey through. It's not something that, and for some people, it may come overnight. For me, mm-hmm. it took about seven years. So, and like we were talking before, I'm very authentic. I don't want people to feel like this is a journey that you just discover yourself in two days later you're better it's, it's something that you just have to step into so as far as womanhood like I said it comes down to that person but for me how I define it as far as Janae you know someone confident courageous bold badass you know those are things that I try to hey, what? <laughs> those are words that I try to live up to and you know, just make it and to remind myself that it's not something that I have to live up to as far as society's standards. Yeah, I love that because I think society's expectation is so different to everyone's version of womanhood is different. We're all on different paths and we're all, we're all women if we identify as women, obviously. And yeah, we're all, we, we are, we're like, you are womanhood, I am womanhood because we're all our own version of womanhood. Um, I guess we just go on to... Uh, I wanted to ask what you think the MRKH community needs more of, and then we can just ask you what your message is going to be to the next person being diagnosed. So yeah, what what do you think we need at this like, moment in time for like newly diagnosed people with MRKH? And yeah, I'd love to hear like your thoughts on that. Ooh, let me see. <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong answer, honestly, but I feel like more transparency. Mm. because and like I said going back to myself I'm not trying to make myself to be like the poster child for my cage but I'm relieved and excited when I see someone going through shit on their own because it makes me feel more human 
And I'm not putting myself in this box to where MRKH should just be one way all the time. Mm. I feel like, you know, transparency as far as, you know, the bad days, the good days. But, you know, like I said, just also just like, it's just a human side. Mm. MRKH, it's like I said, it's it's so much to process and go through. And I don't think that there's one way to grieve and to heal. And, you know, sometimes, and I'm just speaking for myself, but, you know, when I go on these fertility groups and these websites and, you know, it's just kind of, I don't want to say it's fake, but it's like, you can tell the people who are just trying to hold on. And if you're not at that point, fuck it, just say it. Mm -hmm. I hate my life. You know, I thought I'd be a mom by now. I don't like it. And that's okay to share, you know, like. It's a difficult journey. I feel infertility is not a one size fits all. And if you're going through something, if you're, you know, afraid of my case, just say how you feel. And that's how you connect with people. And also, like, that's, we need to tell people when it feels shit because otherwise, we'll be these advocates online. And I've done it before, I've done the whole spread positivity but there's like there's such thing as being toxically positive and even I was doing it to myself because I was trying to do be so positive <laughs> and then you end up shooting yourself in the foot you're like fuck I actually feel really shit and now I've just posted this really nice picture of myself looking all happy and I feel really awful now I can't tell anyone and it like it's a spiral <laughs> you dishonor yourself you know mm. and I'm not saying that you have to share every ugly moment but I feel like for me I would be doing a you know disservice to those who look up to me if I'm just positive, 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 you know, like that's why too, when I'm online, I try to share my fun moments. You know, my friend had a birthday, I'm going to a concert because I want people to know that, you know, MRKH doesn't define you. Mm. You have a regular life, you were a person, a human before you were diagnosed. And so I want people to really recognize that. Mm. It doesn't define you. It's just a little speed bump. But I also feel like too, like your journey determines, or you determine, you determine your journey. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to play the victim, and, and I say that with so much sensitivity, I feel like, and this is kind of like a sidebar, but, mm. you know, I came out about my journey thanks to my best friend. I've had the most amazing support group. Like, that's one thing I can say that I thank God for. And um, my best friend, you know, she was born with so many health issues, and they said she would never talk, she would never walk. She had so many. Um, issues stacked against her you know she was an award-winning journalist and I mean it's just interesting how people just cancel you out from the beginning so anyways with her you know I remember you know she literally told me like you can't play the victim you can't and she was crying and I was like damn so she and we had we had been friends for like three years so she wasn't like you know someone who didn't really know me Mm. but um for me like once I started seeing myself as a victor, as, you know, this badass woman who is going to conquer all and just stop feeling sorry for myself, that's when my perception of MRKH changed. So I know you want to talk about the message. I'm kind of like merging it. No, there's no, never any rush. (laughs) We've got our (laughs) wine. We're fine. (laughs) (laughs) You get it. So I feel like my message to, you know, people who are recently diagnosed is you're not a victim. And there's times where you may feel like it because I feel like in my case, it does give you a pass for people to feel sorry for you. But I feel like if you just drown 
and depression in your emotions, you'll never rise. Because like I said, I was diagnosed 13 years ago and it's things that I'm still learning about Janae, MRKH, life, but I choose to tackle it from a positive attitude, knowing that I define what it is. It doesn't define me. Amazing. <laughs> you define what it is and it doesn't define you. I need to keep that. Oh, Janae, it's been so nice. Should we do a cheers for your TikTok recording? Let's do it. <laughs> Actually, can I pour up real quick and we can do a little video? Yeah, let's do it. Well, I'll go and get a drink as well. I'm going to keep it on record though, because I'm going to edit this bit out. <laughs> You're fine. It's right here. Well, the funny thing Me is, we've right both gone to get a glass of wine to celebrate the end of our podcast recording. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> right, so what are we cheering to? <laughs> My boo. Cheers. MRKH sisters. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> Thank you so much, Janae, for coming on the podcast. I have been dying to meet you and I'm so excited that we've built this kind of online friendship together and I can't wait to, oh my God, I, I want to come to America and meet you. That's my next thing that I want to do. <laughs> I need to come to the UK because honestly, I didn't come to Florida born. <laughs> <laughs> so my boyfriend actually used to be cabin crew for virgin atlantic <laughs> and he he was like a he was cabin crew so he was working on the planes um and i and i i thought once that i really want to do like he's not doing it anymore but he might go back to it at some point and i'd love to go on like trips with him if he's going to like la or different places and just try and come and meet people in different worlds and like different countries because that would be so so cool that's like my next dream is to meet someone from like the other side of the world with MRKH. Have you been to the States? Never, never. Oh, sorry. No, I've been to New York once, but it was for this trip thing. So yeah, but I've never been like on holiday to where you are. Girl, let me know. I'm ready for COVID to end because I'm so ready to get the hell out of US. It's, it's annoying. Come here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you heard of, um, I may destroy you? Right, I'm going to stop recording. I'll love you and leave you, but I'm staying with you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Mind Over MRKH podcast. We will have regular new episodes, so please follow and subscribe. If you want to come for a chat, get in touch. And to everyone with MRKH, you are not alone.